Hi everyone, it's Joel and Caitlin at Cobrake. Today we're going to be talking about common marketing mishaps. Kaylin, welcome to the Stay Hungry podcast. Hi, Joel. First time on. I know. Thanks for having me. You're like three and a half months in and you haven't been on the podcast yet. I know. That's all right. Mm, how is Code Break? Awesome. That's a good answer in front of the boss. Cool. Yeah. It's weird talking to you on here. I know. I'm freaked out. <laughs> cool. Okay, so we're talking about marketing mishaps and we see plenty, not by us, but a lot of businesses that have made plenty of mishaps and then they come to us and let's just see where this goes so i guess one andy always talks about is doing things once and expecting it to make a difference definitely gotta keep at it yeah and uh i guess what i mean by that is you run an ad on facebook it doesn't get you any clicks it doesn't get you any leads and so you just don't do it again or you put an ad in the newspaper it doesn't get you any calls so you don't do it again mm. um we see that all the time that people expect and literally huge businesses that maybe turn over two three million a month with with a marketing budget of 200 pound and they put an ad in the local newspaper and wonder why they're not Sorry. getting their next thing yeah i suppose people forget you have to put in the effort it's like riding a bike. You don't just get on one day and suddenly start pedaling down the street. You've got to keep at it and keep trying and not give up. And it's the same thing with marketing. You can't just expect one day to start sailing down the street. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah, it's momentum. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's something that people don't tend to think about is the compound effect of their marketing. Mm-hmm. So to give you an example, I was in Basildon yesterday, of all places, and chatting to a cool guy called James and he clearly wanted me to make loads of Marvel jokes but I was like I was on it yesterday it was, I was Mr. Business okay. <laughs> and, and uh, he was like oh I've been listening to your guys podcast for two years and uh, it's just convinced me that you're the right people for us to work with awesome but that's two years yeah. of marketing before they became a client and we're a marketing company and that's kind of it's a tricky one for us to sell to people, the compound effect of marketing. But you're so much more powerful after six months of marketing than you are at the launch of a campaign. And if it was as easy as turning on a light, everyone would do it. Mm-hmm. And that's something we see all the time. So ask me a question. Hit me. I've got one. So in the last 10 years, what would you say has been the biggest difference in marketing from where you were 10 years ago to now? Social media advertising, definitely. Um, And not enough people do that. Well, loads do it. Not many do it well. Um, But I'll give an example. So I guess Facebook ads really went mainstream eight years ago. Mm -hmm. And I could run a Facebook ad for, say, at the time my business wasn't Cobrake. My business was called Squeak. And I could run an ad for Squeak to get traffic to the website and a click would be about a half a pence. Where now, that same ad, mm-hmm. a click, you're probably looking between a pound and one pound fifty for that same click. So it was really a huge opportunity 10 years ago, well, eight years ago, 
and then now it's become a more competitive place. Mm-hmm. It's more expensive, but still, you know, we get leads through our own lead generation ads through social media for like seven, eight pound a lead. And if a lead converts, it's worth an awful lot of money to us. So there's a huge opportunity there where traditional advertising, you know, the background I come from, where you do a billboard or maybe place an ad in a newspaper, you, it's very hard to measure return on those. Yeah. Really hard to see how it was doing. And certainly it didn't generate leads at seven or eight pounds or clicks at one pound. Yeah. So that's that's the biggest change is it's so accessible. But what that's meant is it's also really hard. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like it's an exact science and there's so many people out there spouting shit about it. Yeah. So you have to be really careful who you're talking to. If someone says to you they can guarantee you results, run a mile because that isn't like we're like we're a results-based marketing company. Absolutely. But it's still about testing and measuring. It's still about finding the best route to market. It's mm-hmm. still about using the best type of ad. It's still about using the best type of creative. And even then, I, I had an ad running for ourselves last week that was at £4 a lead. Mm-hmm. This week, it's at £30 a lead. So I have to go back into the ads and refresh them and rework them. And it's just a constantly moving target. And that's why, that's why it's a full-time job. Yeah, absolutely. And it goes back to what we were saying before about people not realizing the constant work that you have to do to go about it. You don't just put money out there on an ad and expect it to yeah. deliver. It's about constant monitoring. And it's a, it's a misconception brought from traditional advertising mm-hmm. techniques. So if you place an ad in uh, the yellow pages or if you placed an ad in a newspaper or you place an ad on radio, even 15 years ago, that was it. Mm-hmm. That You maybe got you know readership figures through or listenership figures through but that was it and then you had to judge whether that was having a positive impact on your business or not where now it's much more answerable you you're held it's tangible so i could launch an ad today and by the end of the day tell you how many clicks you've had today and what those clicks cost yeah you see where the money goes yeah and then a business owner has to then decide if those clicks are worth it and if they're the right kind of clicks Mm -hmm. You can take that to the extreme and say, right, well, how many inquiries have I had? What's the uplift in inquiries? You're going to need a bit of a longer period to judge that. But we have to be directly accountable for the results now where I think, you know, when I worked in graphic design in the past, if I designed a poster, nobody rang me up to say, well, we've put 20 posters out around the village and nobody's come to our sheep racing festival. (laughs) (laughs) It's like... So, I'd it, like to go to that though. There's it. There, there, this really, really regionalizes us, but there genuinely is a sheep racing event down the road here. Awesome. Tell me what it is. And where Evie lives, Evie's one of our employees, mm-hmm. there's uh, a duck race, as in toy ducks oh, in the yes. river. I've been to that. You've been to that? I have two or three years in a row. Did you win? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't. But it was Need fun. a better duck. <laughs> I picked the wrong rubber duck. Yeah. No, it was really cute, though. More for the kids. Really? Yeah. Any but more questions? I do. So, you asked me a really great question at the interview process. Oh, no. And I'm going to throw it back at you. What is your favourite 
approach to marketing. So what sort of marketing technique do you like? Oh, why did I ask you that at an interview? I never thought I was going to cast it. So I really like 90-day sprints. Okay. So I think anything longer than that and either the client or the company or agency is going to get a bit tetchy because mm-hmm. it's, it, yeah, you know, you need serious budgets to do a 12-month campaign or, or whatever it might be. Right. But in a 90-day sprint, you set the objective, you use the first month for the foundations to build towards the objective and month two and three to see the results. If the results. But the beauty of that is across 12 months with the client, you've got four goes at it. And, you know, I'd say nine times out of 10, we get it right on the first 90-day sprint. But also you learn so much in each one mm-hmm. and and client objectives shift. So. Absolutely. You know, we've worked with, let's say, a housing developer. Their their objective was to shift houses on their huge new development because it was a big deal to them. But when they realized they could do that and that we could help them do that, their objectives changed from, well, it's not just enough to shift the houses now. We want people to know who we are Mm -hmm. because the next time we do a development like this, we don't want it to be as difficult to shift the houses. We want people to be like, I want one of those houses. Did you hear that sneeze? Sneeze in the background. Um, and so that's fine and that's expected in in what we do that objectives will change but by breaking it down into those 90 days it means you can build in the new objectives where I think you know some some marketing companies are probably held to monthly objectives Mm -hmm. and the problem you have there is 30 days is no time at all so you might be get heading in the right direction, but then you change objective and that compound effect we talked about earlier in the podcast is gone. Yeah. You, you, Cause you're literally doing something else. You're setting new foundations. And so I, I really enjoy that kind of 90 day sprint. You'll see it. Um, Simon Severino was on our podcast recently. He talks about strategy sprints. Mm-hmm. Um, my own mentor talks about strategy sprints, but it's just a really actionable way of getting shit done. And it's just easier to coach it into the team, easier yeah. to coach it into the client. And that's why for Cobra clients, for example, anyone that comes on board with us is a three-month trial at the beginning mm-hmm. because we know we can do a lot in three months and we want to show people what we can do in three months, but then it becomes a longer relationship. So we do that first 90-day sprint to show what, just what we can do. And then we look at what the true objectives are once a client can see we mean business. I think people do lose sight of the fact that their objectives change. Yeah. So it's important to break it up in that way. Yeah, because obviously we talk to our clients, and you, you've seen me do this, about what their goals are. Mm-hmm. And initially they'll say, oh, uh, I'd like to grow my business, and I'd like more profit, and I'd like a company car. And oh, great. Yeah, but... brilliant bollocks. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> let's get down. Let's, let's really yeah. talk about what your goals are. And it's like, oh, well, actually, my wife's ill, and I'd like to be able to support her so she doesn't have to work anymore. Or I'd like my children to go to private school. Or we'd like a house where we can sit in separate rooms when we want to, but have a big shared space mm-hmm. when we don't. Or I had a really tough upbringing, and I don't want that for my children. Whatever it might be. All good and fine. Yeah. But then once you know that goal, I don't know what that noise is now. 
think it's a hand drop. It's a sink. Um, once you know that goal, you can go backwards. Go backwards, and the objectives when they change, you can question it. Mm-hmm. So if Mr. MD or Mrs. CEO comes over and says, "Oh, we no longer want to work on." the reach of our brand we'd like to work on the conversion of our lead magnet well why does that work towards your goals if the answer is yeah well okay let's make that shift mm-hmm. if the answer is no we've got it there in writing to say well look no we should do more of this not that and if they still say no it's like well let's revisit your goals because your goals must have changed rather than your objectives and then they're like, well, what's the difference between goals and objectives? And it's like, well, your goals are the things that you really, really want. And your objectives are the waypoints on the way to that goal. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, cool. And that's kind of how it goes. Yeah. No, I like that. Would you like another one? How many more have we got? I just have one more. Okay. So we've talked about where you've come in the last 10, eight years mm-hmm. and how marketing has changed. Where do you see it shifting in the future? What do we need to kind of be on the lookout for as we grow? Um, so voice is going to be a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, so Alexa, Siri, all that kind of stuff. Um, you're going to have a situation where these platforms are kind of free at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Siri obviously is on all the Apple products. Alexa's in all the Amazon products. There's a equivalent in Google, but there's other ones as well. Samsung have their own, yeah. but they're going to want to monetize those platforms now they've got all the data and all the people using them. I mean, the amount of people now that quite comfortably use an Alexa who probably didn't two years ago yeah. is unbelievable. But chances are you'll ask it a question and you'll get back. This answer was brought to you by and, and a bit of an advert with it. That, but yeah. Um, or people will start to develop apps and skills for these platforms related to their business. So you'd be like, when's my tax return due? Yeah. And it'll say, oh, Joe blogs accountancy says your tax return is due on the third. So yeah, I think, in touch. yeah. So I think a big shift will be the monetization of voice. Um, I think there's an element of augmented reality that will become a thing soon where, you're seeing it slightly now. Uh, kids play like Minecraft, let's say, or, or adults play Call of Duty, Warzone, that kind of game, where they're being sold stuff within the game. So they're they're buying stuff and being marketed to within a virtual world. I mm-hmm. think that will cross over with the real world. So there'll be an element of, and we're seeing it with like uh, non fungible tokens, NFTs, mm-hmm. where people are buy a pair of trainers. It comes with an NFT of the design of that trainer and then their character in a computer game is also wearing those trainers yeah and i think that kind of crossover will get bigger and so marketing will actually have like this really weird crossover where it'd be in music it'd be in computer games it's already in films and tv um do you are you saying alexa's gonna have commercials i think so yeah or you'll be able to pay more to not have them yeah I think I think that'll be. I mean, we've got um, one of those doorbells that can see when someone's coming to the door, and you can have like a basic version, but you get loads of ads, or yeah. you can subscribe and you get no ads. So I think we'll see more of that crossover. But then I also think a, a big move will be the kind of holistic marketing where people 
know they're being marketed to now. Everyone mm. knows it. And like my friends say stuff like, oh, my phone must be listening to me and I have to explain, well... Exactly what's happening. Yeah, it might be listening <laughs> to you, but I don't think it is. I think the phone is detecting the same things you are throughout the day. So everything that led you to think about Ribena at the end of the day, your phone has been through the same yeah. things. It's been to the same locations as you, seen what apps you've been on, it knows what restaurants you've been in. It knows what shops you've been in. And then it's Feeds all you, uses that data yeah. to decide what the best thing to serve you is. And chances are you're thinking the same <laughs> thing. I think that will get smarter and people will start to almost have the suggestions of, right, well, tonight for dinner, you're going to have this. Mm-hmm. And it'll be like the right fit. Yeah. Or don't forget to get some milk because it will have asked your fridge what your milk levels are. And so then marketing's going to get like really sci-fi and everyone's going to be like freaked out. But I love that stuff. It's cool. But I do, at the heart of it, I I love the client relationship. Yeah. That to me is, I want to buy from a person. Uh I want to build that relationship up, that trust and buy from that. And I think in that sci-fi virtual world, it's great. It makes life easier. But you lose that. Do you think connection? Yeah, agree, hundred percent agree. But do you think as supermarkets and online deliveries and stuff have become more sterile and more mm-hmm. virtual, that farm shops and package-free shops and I mean we were talking about lunchtime people with eggs at the end of their drive and yeah. like dairy farmers have got a huge opportunity to keep that niche. Yeah, yeah. Because everyone wants the essentials, so. There's no way I'm going to go to like Farmer Giles at the end of the road and get my toilet cleaner. It's just like <laughs> you're not, no. and and he's not going to sell it. No. So you're always going to have that online delivery or that weekly shop to mm-hmm. get all the bits that you need. Yeah. But then, rather than having to go to a market or to a fancy supermarket for those basics, right we're almost going to see the resurgence of like the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. I think it's. I that. hope so. Yeah, I think I think that's that's a thing. Especially post COVID, people want that kind of wholesome reassurance. Mm-hmm. And there's an element now with Brexit, and this and this political. Here we uh, go. Buckle up. Uh, <laughs> where people want reassurance of supply. Yeah. And if you can get milk at the end of your road, great. Why would you? Yeah, if not? you get eggs at the end of your road, great. If you can get apples from the orchard in your garden, great. Mm-hmm. And and. I think we're having that little spell now of where people are like, well, I'll get everything I can locally, mm-hmm. particularly people who can afford to. I'll get everything I can locally and on my doorstep. And support your neighbour. Mm. And I think that's that's a nice consequence of COVID and mm-hmm. a weird consequence of Brexit. Yeah. How long may it last? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love it. I think we need some of that injected back into society. So genuinely, this is weird. How would you market this? I don't know. Great. But... Half a mile from my house, the dairy farm has a big fridge mm-hmm. and we paid a deposit on a milk bottle, a glass milk bottle. And then you go back and you put pound fifty in the honesty box, put your empty bottle in the like washing bucket thing yeah, and take your new bottle. It's like, I don't think if someone had told me I'd be doing that 10 years ago, I like, that, that sounds like nonsense. Yeah. No, I, I would agree when I moved here. Um, Milk floats. Yeah. It's just a novelty concept to me. Even the, my family, the, they're like, 
there is a milkman. I'm like, there is a milkman who will drop off glass bottles in the morning and take your bottles away. And it's just nostalgic. It's a harken back to a different era. It's lovely. So that but, in your lifetime, that's never existed in the States? No, not in my existence. That's wild. Yeah. My parents, possibly a different story, but... Yeah. Everything was grocery, supermarket. Nobody came. I don't know if it's just you, you're too vast in space. Um, so to get from farm to neighborhood is just too far. Do you know about the Muffin Man? <laughs> on Drury Lane? Yeah. Do you know what that is? Go on. Literally the same as a milkman. They used to be muffin mans. Oh, he used to go around and drop off muffins. Yeah. So you'd have your milkman and your muffin and man. Your muffin every man, coal man. Nice. There was never a coal ladies, I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, bin man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> coal milk muffin. So they paper boy. For the morning. Well, paper boy there was a morning and an afternoon. Mm-hmm. Depending which version of the paper you wanted. Uh I don't, I don't know any others in my lifetime. We I, used to get the paper. We used to get that every day. Yeah, the paper, yeah, that's quite an American thing because yeah. here you have to put it through the letterbox. In America, you fling then it you onto the lawn. it at the end yeah. of the drive. Yeah, that's wild. That was great. So they weren't wrapped here, so they would have just got annihilated. <laughs> Ours were always in plastic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But if it rained... Still no good. Oh, no, no. It depends on how it landed. So if your driveway was... Slanted. Slanted, and the pay, the plastic was at the right angle. The water would just go straight in. So are you saying from a, not even from a marketing perspective, but from a commercial perspective, people mm-hmm. have headed back towards their comfort slightly? I think so. Whilst being ultra-efficient and sterile. Yeah. You'll always find that the older generations, or as people get older, they just want to stick with what they know. Yeah. I'm finding that with myself as well. Just What's well, like, yeah. What's your old thing now? Oh, my old thing now. I think it. I think it does go back to the phone. Yeah. I'm finding. I don't have all these apps. I just stick to kind of a few that I know. Uh, I'm still not really big on Instagram. Okay. So there's a lot that I've not been. It's by choice. Yeah, yeah. I can go down the rabbit hole and spend my time on the phone all day long, or I can just compartmentalize and say, right. That's for texting people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I just use my phone for texting and phoning. So I'm, and... I'm like the absolute opposite. <laughs> my phone, the hours I spend on my phone is obscene. It's, it's absurd. Um, yeah. But, but, yeah. It's just... I'm trying to think what, like, my old thing is. Like, my traditional hand... I don't know. My home comfort, I guess you'd describe it as. Taking the dog for a walk? Yeah. That's... I like mowing the grass. Yeah, I'm not sure I do. <laughs> There's yeah. nothing like fresh cut grass. I've got hay fever. <laughs> <laughs> it's awful. I hate it. Nice. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like candlelight. Mm, I don't do that enough. Yeah, no, nor do we. It's dangerous. But, <laughs> but yeah, okay. Well, we've gone all over the show here. What was our takeaways? Marketing, never do anything once. No, you've got to keep at it. You don't um, get anywhere by staying stagnant. Social media advertising is is available for everyone. Mm-hmm. And don't just try that once. No. Um, look for opportunities in voice. 
I think that's. I mean, we're literally recording a podcast right now. If you want to sponsor it, give us a buzz. Our number is. Yeah. Uh, you can get me on podcast app. No, um, Making sure you're aware of your objectives and goals. Yeah. Break them down to a quarterly, three month sprints. Yeah. Chunk. That's a big one. And look for opportunities in this. I hate, I hate saying this now, this post COVID world, but yeah. look for opportunities. To connect with people so like what you were saying the people really really hanker for that mm -hmm. emotional personal connection and you can do that with especially as an sme you can do that with your business you can provide that support if you're an accountant you can handhold and help people through their yeah. numbers if you're a solicitor you can make people feel reassured about what they're doing if you're a baker you could offer a home delivery service or uh do special speciality breads that yeah. um, people maybe have seen on MasterChef or, or yeah. whatever. That uh, there's a lot of ways you can kind of take advantage of the fact that much of the world is becoming this kind of sterile, faceless, faceless e-commerce transaction. Mm -hmm. And actually, you know, be the dairy farmer that puts a fridge at the end of his drive, or be the dairy farmer that sets up an ice cream farm, or be the sells potato farmer cleaner. that sets up a crisp company. Yeah, sells toilet cleaner. And on that note, <laughs> thanks, Caitlin. My pleasure. <laughs>